The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. So I want to get into the word. How many of you uh, are facing, you know, headlines and news and things, and maybe you just feel a little off about what's going on? Okay, I'm trying to find really soft and sensitive ways to put this. I, you know, I don't see that uh, uh, this is a, a real good environment to, to air all of my feelings and grievances. In fact, you know, I'm, I'm really banned from talking about certain things politically at home because it really has altered the environment of our home. I mean, I, I'm serious about that. I can step into the house and everything is, is peaceful and nice, and then I start talking about what's going on with elections and things like that. <clears throat> and it, it really gets, it gets pretty intense, right? And I mean, I'm not going to change it. I'm not changing any votes here or anything like that, but I, I'm just venting this. I can feel it inside of me. So there's something that I'm aware of. I mean, one, it might be, wow, you know, Preston, you're incredibly immature. And, and that really could be. It could be a tremendous immaturity in me. It could also be that there's a lot of things going on that every other Christian is dealing with. And the question is, are we dealing with it well? I mean, when we face stuff like this, you carry a, a lot of, of stress and strain and there's a burden there. I've got news for you. I don't like to, to lose, but I sure don't like uh, to, to lose because of cheating or something that's unfair. That really, really frustrates me. I have no problem losing an election if it's a fair election. No problem with that. My concern is there are things that have gone on that, that are not above reproach, and, and they need to be investigated. So when you're dealing with stuff like that, and it's starting to pile up in your heart and in your mind, and every time you, you turn on the television or open up your browser, you're seeing more information that's just piling on, making it worse and worse. The, the question is, what do you do with that? I mean, if you had a backpack and we were hiking together and I was behind you and every, every now and then I'd pick up a little rock and, and toss it in your backpack and you didn't even know it, you know, eventually that weight would add up and you would begin to, to think, man, I'm really getting tired. Well, I kind of feel like that's what's going on. I mean, everyone's moving forward. Life goes on. The sun comes up. You got to get your kids out to school. You got to get to work. You, gotta, you have all these things that continue but yet, someone's metaphorically still tossing rocks in your backpack. It's just getting heavier and heavier. And the longer it drags on, the weightier it gets. What do we do with that? I mean, how are we supposed to respond? I can tell you what not to do. I mean, I tend to carry that stuff, and then, and then it, it, it kind of blows, you know. And when that takes place, it generally blows around the wrong people. It has no positive effect. It's only negative. And, and to me, that is an indication of and immaturity. And there needs to be an awareness of that in order to grow out of that and move past it. But I want to get into the Word and talk about something specific that I think is important to help us deal with these things. And, and I want to look at this from a couple of perspectives. Uh, one, I want to give you a, a, a passage of Scripture just to kind of set what I believe is, is happening. And you've got to understand at all times, no matter what, God's at work. I mean, he's never disappeared, he's never given up, he's never uh, checked out. I mean, the scripture would say, you know, that our God doesn't slumber, nor does he sleep. I mean, that's meant to be a, a poetic way to communicate that he's always engaged, no matter what. 
So I want to look at a couple of things here. I want to read a passage of Scripture. Uh, many of you are familiar with the, the passage of, of Scripture. We talked about it this last Wednesday, John 3.16, right? World-famous passage of Scripture. You know, you can watch football games, and they, they used to maybe. Now they probably hold up Black Lives Matter, but they used to hold up John 3.16, you know. And, and they would, would hold these things up, and you would, you would see that, wow, this is a passage of Scripture that, that is quite popular. Well, this whole passage of Scripture comes from a, a conversation that's going on, a conversation that's going on between Jesus and, and a man named Nicodemus, who is uh, one of the scholars of Israel at the time, and, and, and Jesus is speaking to him. I want to start at John chapter 3 in verse 16, but I want to read past 16. You know, if, if we're only reading John 3.16, then we're never going to know what John 3.17 says or John 3.18 says or John 3.19 says. And, and we really need to get everything that Jesus is talking about. So I want to start there and I want to read this. And I want to tell you, when I read this and when I read it again this morning, I really feel like this is what's going on right now. And if you don't feel that way, that, that's okay. I mean, it might be because I'm really fixated on it and, and I translate everything or interpret everything through what's going on right now. Uh, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now John chapter, seven, or John, uh, chapter 3, verse 17, and I'm going to continue to read. For God did not send the, the son into the world to judge the world, but so that the world might be saved through him. The one who believes in him is not judged. The one who does not believe in him has been judged already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And now this is important. Now, now verse 19 here says, and this is the judgment. So all that talk about judgment now, it's about to be described here. So when you see something like, and this is the judgment, you realize that there's about to be a description of, of what is going on in this judgment. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and people have loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and doesn't come to the light so that their deeds won't be exposed. But the one who practices truth comes to the light so that their deeds will be exposed or revealed and be shown as having been performed in God. And when I read that, I, it, I thought, you know, this is, this is a really powerful passage of Scripture. I mean, it really identifies two groups. Two groups and, and, one, uh, and one condition. That there are people, and there's a condition that's introduced. That condition is Jesus. That condition is light. And people make one of two decisions. They either run to that light or they run from that light. That's really it. I mean, it gets really simple really fast when you see this. In all of the world, there's the introduction of Jesus. Now, let me just make this very clear to you. I'm not saying that any uh, a political candidate or political party is the light. That's not true. There's not a single political party that is the kingdom of God. There's not a single political candidate that is Jesus I'm talking about the state of things. How we're making our choices and decisions is revealing either a love for light or an embracing of darkness. And when you read this passage of Scripture, you begin to see why people would embrace darkness. Now, I've got to just tell you something. When I, when I hear the candidates that were speaking in this election, it seemed pretty uh, opposite. 
right? You would have one that was saying one thing, and you'd have one that was promising the complete opposite. It was pretty extreme in their promises and what they had to offer and what they stood for. Now, there are things that, that I stand for based on my convictions as a Christian, and there were reasons why I voted a certain way. But I realized something that I don't think I've ever seen a decision that was so left and right, that was so black and white, that was so polar opposite. And now I'm left sitting here like most people, and you've got to understand, people on both sides are both asking the same question. Why would you ever uh, vote for that? Why would you ever want that? And when I consider light and darkness here being contrasted, I mean, can you get more opposite than light and dark? No. When you see these things contrasted, I mean, I'm left asking the same question. Why would you ever go for that? Well, I have to ask myself, why did I ever go for that? Because we'll see later on in the scripture, we were all in darkness. And praise God, we've been drawn into light through Jesus. But this passage of scripture answers that. This is a really amazing and powerful thing to consider. It talks about light and darkness. It talks about a group that will reject the light or run from it, and it gives the reason why. They hate the light. They don't come to the light because they don't want their deeds to be exposed. While another group runs to the light and practices truth so that their deeds will be exposed, now, let me tell you about just things like this in, in a simple format. I mean, I've watched Raising My Sons and things like that. I, I've, I've examined my own life, and I've had to ask myself, you know, what, what's the difference between light and darkness in our day-to-day -day life? I remember dealing with a situation where, where there was embarrassment or shame about a, a thing and, and having to first address the embarrassment or the shame before there could ever be an opportunity for light to prevail. I can tell you in my own life, I understand this to be the truth, that the Holy Spirit will always operate by conviction, always convicting me of, of what's sin and what's righteous uh, and, and judgment. I mean, that's what the passage of Scripture says concerning the Holy Ghost. And I will always see that the devil will operate through shame. There's a huge difference between conviction and shame. Conviction will cause you to want to address the issue. It is meant to empower, to equip, and to motivate, to address the issue. Shame will always encourage you to bury the issue, to hide the issue, to cover up the issue, to do whatever you can to see to it that the issue stays private. I mean, really, the, the word that I should use there is secret. And even in raising my kids, I've tried to tell them, listen, we don't do secrets. I've taught them the difference between privacy and secret. It's one thing to have privacy, to respect each other's space and each other's boundaries, and it's another thing to open up the door for secrecy. And it's in that secrecy that you open up the door for sin and corruption to abide and remain, a place of, of shadow and darkness. I want to read a couple of passages of Scripture to you here. I want to give you one out of the psalm, Psalm 27, verse 1. No matter what your thoughts are on what's going on in the world right now, Psalm 27 verse 1 should be the center of our thoughts as it concerns what's going on in the kingdom of God. Psalm 27 verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life, whom shall I dread? 
I mean, I've caught myself over the week, you know, driving in my truck, working, and having all kinds of wild thoughts about days to come based on political promises that we now must wait to see if they're fulfilled and what those effects will be uh, socially and economically. And it, it had me in a state of fear. And then this simple passage of Scripture enters into my mind. I've mentioned before that, that I remember, you know, the... the the old uh, scripture songs, and we used to sing those when I was a kid, and this is one of them. And oftentimes, if I feel myself being touched by anxiety or fear or concern, I'll catch myself singing this passage of scripture. I mean, we, we used to sing it in church a lot. But the Lord is my life and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I have to ask myself on occasion, is this who Jesus is to me? Is this who Jesus is to me? I mentioned before a couple of things. I want to give you a few things that we're going to find as we get into the Scripture. One, we're going to find what every Christian needs. Another thing we're going to find is what always wins. And the third thing we're going to find is what people need in order to glorify God. What every Christian needs, what always wins, and what people need in order to glorify God. I want to offer this to you, this reality that Jesus is your light. Therefore, your salvation, and there's nothing to fear. That Jesus is your defense. He's the defense of your life, that there's nothing to dread. But it's amazing to me that that's the passage of Scripture that is revealed. That's the identity that's given, light. I mean, there's a number of, of identities that I offer up in, in prayer or that I use in my vocabulary when, when speaking about Jesus or, or, or ministering to my children or speaking with my wife or, or talking with the people that I work with about Jesus, uh, Redeemer and Deliverer and all these, and they're wonderful and they're true and they're powerful identities. But in this passage of Scripture, those identities were all options and it was light that was selected to reveal this truth. That the Lord is your light. Therefore, you've got nothing to fear. Nothing to dread. So I want to offer this to you as something that every Christian needs. I mentioned that would be the first thing we would find here. Every Christian needs to see Jesus as their light. I mean, if, if I'm in a situation or a circumstance where my identity of, or the identification that I have for Jesus is deliverer or redeemer... That puts me in the position of going through a situation or a circumstance just always knowing that in the end it's going to be okay. Well, that's great and that's awesome and that's powerful, but the reality is Jesus is my light. He can have an influence and an impact on the situation and on the circumstance. This has been a prayer of mine concerning the election. God, shine the light on all corruption. Expose all corruption. If there's any corruption, shine light on it. The prayer isn't, you know, tugging an ear and sucking a thumb, just saying, God, get me through this administration. Let me survive this administration till the next election, and hopefully we'll do better. I remember when a, an, an election took place, and this was, you know, some years back. The candidate that won was not one that I had voted for, but the prayers were immediately, Father, baptize this man in the Holy Ghost. 
I'm asking for that. I'm interceding. I'm praying and I'm asking. I, I, I want to make that my prayer. I want to intercede. Let this guy have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. That's the same prayer that I need to have for our current uh, people that are, are leading, allegedly, in the race that just took place. There's a need for light to take place and light to enter in and light to be issued and light to be uh, delivered onto a situation or a circumstance because light does something. I want to give you a few passages of scripture here. Uh, one I want to give is Isaiah chapter 9. I want to read verses 2 through 4. When light comes into a situation, it does something. Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. And when the light shines, that darkness goes away. And now you can see the rest of the passage here. There's a result. The result is they will multiply as a nation. God will increase their gladness. They'll be glad in the presence of the Lord as the gladness is in the, the harvest or prosperity. As men rejoice when they divide up the spoil. And then there's this. And it says that God will break the yoke of oppression the burden of the staff that's on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. And then it says, as at the battle of Midian. Well, if you don't know about the battle of Midian, it's from the book of Judges, Judges around chapter 6 or 7. It's where Gideon comes in and is a hero. But I want to tell you something about the, the battle of Midian that I think is important, and, and I think it's really important that it's applied to this scripture. I mean, Midian was a, a, an interesting set of, of sufferings and frustrations for the people of God. They had gotten so close to, to prosperity and, and then it would be stolen away. The word says that they would sow and, and they would labor in their fields and, and when the harvest time was about to come, Midian would come and squash it all. And for many people in our country today, from a political perspective, many mentalities are like that. We're so close. I can tell you, we were so close to setting this country free from the bondage of abortion. It still could happen. There's a number of things that, I mean, that, that's also been, that hasn't been in my prayer life, in my intercession. That's been more in my lamentation. You know, lamentation is kind of righteous fussing, Right? Where you, where you just kind of cry and let your issues out to God, and it's a really wonderful and biblical thing. So I look at this passage of Scripture, and I'm seeing this. I'm thinking, hey, this feels like the, the days of Midian. And if I run this passage of Scripture back, I can see what the solution is, what we need. And it's light. That passage reads that the people that sit in darkness will see a great light, and then great things will take place in freedom as in at the battle of Midian. So now my prayer and my pursuit is, is light. I want light. We need light. Father, let light shine. Let light be magnified. Let it be magnified in me and through me. Let light be magnified in the words that we speak and in all that we do. Now we mentioned before, you know, that every Christian needs light. I want to give you a couple of passages of Scripture, one specifically as to why. If you have your notes there, you can take down Psalm 18.28. Psalm 18, 28, it reads like this. For you, and of course it's speaking to God. For you, God, light my lamp. It's not a question, it's a statement. You light my lamp. There are days I wake up and I don't feel like my lamp's lit. 
That would be a pretty good prayer, you know. God, light my lamp. Light my lamp. Right now, I feel like all of these circumstances and situations and all of this news, all of these things that are going on in the world, I feel like they've put my lamp out. Father, light my lamp in Jesus' name. Now, here's why we need to have our lamp lit. The rest of that passage reads as follows. It says, for you light my lamp. The Lord, my God, illumines my darkness. You want to know what word really freaks me out about that? It's not the word darkness. It's the word my. The Lord, my God, illumines my darkness. I mean, we need to own up to the fact that there are areas in our lives that need to have the light of God shone upon it. We need to pray and seek God to shed his light on every aspect of our life. To come to a point where we can say, well, I've said a sinner's prayer, I've been baptized, I, I go to church, I attend this, I, I do that, is, is a wonderful list of credentials, but it really doesn't do what God has done with light. Light is the presence of Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, effective and active in your mind and in your heart for the purpose of eliminating your and my darkness. Father, light my lamp. Light my lamp so that that light can drive out the darkness that exists in me. Psalm 36, verse 9, it's a declaration. It says, for with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. I mean, these psalms are poetic and they're beautiful to read, but they're meant to have a profound impact on our thought process and our prayer life. I mean, you can take this, this one passage and, and introduce that into your prayers. Father, let me be in your light so that I might see light. Right now, I see darkness. Right now, I see hopelessness. Right now, I see a celebration of evil with every rainbow flag I see waving and every Marxist declaration I see being declared over this nation. I see darkness. Father, let me be in your light so that I might see light. And that I don't get sucked in to, to feelings and thoughts of hopelessness, desperation, violence, vindictiveness, and all of the garbage that is anti-Christ. Keep me in your light so that I might see light. Because if I don't see light, I'm going to see red. Psalm 56, uh, verse 13. A declaration concerning our call and, and the importance of life. You've delivered my soul from death my feet from stumbling, so that. Did you catch the so that? I mean, God delivered you from death. He's kept you from failing. And here's the reason why. So that I may walk before the Lord in the light of the living. I mean, all of, of the salvation that has taken place in your life, the cross, the empty tomb, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, everything that is the gospel has taken place in your life so that you can walk in light. All of these circumstances and all of these situations are trying to draw people into darkness right now. And it's important that we don't let that happen. We must know and understand that God has called us to be in the light. 
I want to mention something about darkness really quickly, why it might even exist. You know, I mean, I, I scratch my head. I, I, I spend a lot of time moving from one job site to the next, and, and oftentimes I'm in my truck. My, my truck seat has this perfect indentation of my backside. It's, it's perfectly preserved in that because I've spent so much time sitting in that seat. And then they make these trucks so tall now that when you're getting in and out and in and out and in and out, you know, the leather's all ripped on one side because you got to slide out, you know, and then you got to jump in. And when I'm in my truck and I'm driving, I'm going from A to B, there are thoughts that I'll be thinking, you know, and sometimes those thoughts are profound. Other times those thoughts are, are not so profound. But I'll, I'll, I'll ask questions like, why is this happening? Why is this happening? When I consider what we're on the verge of and how close we are to overturning uh, uh, celebrations of, of death and, and immorality, and we're, we're so close to these things, why would this take place? Why would you allow for this to happen? Why would you let this darkness even begin to spread? I want to give you a passage from the psalm, Psalm 112, verse 4. And it reads like this, and I hope that you can, can see the, the power and the hopefulness that exists in this passage of Scripture as, as I'm seeing it. Psalm 112, verse 4. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. He's gracious and compassionate to the righteous. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. When I consider this wave of darkness or this increase of darkness, I look at this and I see, God, are you about to rise, raise up a people who walk in your light? Are you in the process of bringing such a situation or a circumstance that those who walk in your light will stand out and rise up and there will be a move that has not been seen up until this time that will expand your kingdom? that will glorify your name? When you read this passage of Scripture that light arises in the darkness, then I have to ask myself, what's needed for light to arise? Darkness. Darkness. And rather than see this as, as something that I'm now at, at enmity with, that, that is a situation or a circumstance that could sweep me away, I now see that God is setting the stage for every man, woman, and child who would call upon His name and walk in His Spirit to stand out as light. God is setting the stage for Jesus to be magnified. He's setting the stage for His kingdom to be expanded. He's setting the stage for every Spirit-filled believer to stand out as light in the midst of the darkness. He's setting the stage for an exaltation of the church. I want to give you a passage of Scripture from the Psalms here, Psalm 97. I want to read verses 11 and 12. Because I want you to consider this passage of Scripture and then consider your life. This passage of Scripture and then consider your life. And I'll explain what, what I mean by that in just a moment. Light is sown like seed for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Be glad in the Lord, you righteous ones, and give thanks to His holy name. Light is sown like seed for the righteous. Now when I read this, I, I see something that, that causes me to, to pause and think. 
it's very easy to read something quickly and maybe miss some of the directions, or maybe who the subject is or what the action is. But what it doesn't say is light is sown like seed by the righteous. I mean, if it said that, we would all embrace that. That would be great. I would see that I'm sowing seeds of light through my life. But this passage of Scripture says that light is sown like seed for the righteous. And I have to ask myself about my life. God, have you been equipping me all of my days so that I would be prepared for these days right here and now? Have you been equipping uh, every man, every woman, every child in this room? Have you been sowing seeds of light in us so that as darkness would attempt to rise, we would have all that we need? It would be present in us. It would be rooted in us. It would have been cultivated and cherished and it would have been thriving in us to the point that we would be able to function just as we need to in order to bring about victory. And I have to trust and believe that that's the case. God has been sowing seeds of light in you for such a time as this. When a world would want to stand out and silence voices of truth and celebrate voices of corruption, I've never seen anything like it. I've worked in other countries, and I can tell you, this does not feel like the freedom that I've known in my youth in the United States of America. When you see the censorship that's taking place, the, the bias in, in our state media, it is not an independent media any longer. God's been sowing the seeds in you and in me, the seeds of light, so that we would have everything that we need in this time. That's a passage of scripture that's easily overlooked, but I think we ought to embrace it as an encouragement. I have a purpose in these days. There's not just a, a, a series of unfortunate events that have, have swung an election that are going to cause us all grief and hopefully we can endure it until people finally get fed up with it and we have an election that goes our way. But God is doing something. God is, is bringing something into existence and he's constantly building and edifying the church and he's been sowing seeds of light in you from the very beginning for such a time as this so that you will have all that you need to stand firm, so that you will have the words that you need to speak truth, so that you will have the authority of the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to display those acts of power that will draw men and women away from deception and into truth. And it's those seeds of light that are necessary to, for, for us to actually fulfill the call that God has on our life. Let me tell you what that call is. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. This is a call on your life. Therefore be imitators of God. Could you set the bar any higher? I mean, this is what the passage of Scripture opens up with. Hey, be just like God. Be imitators of God. As his beloved children, walk in love just as Christ also loved and gave himself up as an offering, a sacrifice. And then it goes on to talk about the darkness that's in the world. It says, but immorality, impurity, greed must not even be named among you. I mean, when you consider all the things that could be listed there, those things make it. We ought to search our heart. Father, is there any immorality in me? Have I begun to allow thoughts to linger just a little longer each time that need to be crushed and cast out immediately? Impurity. Father, is there any impurity in me? Greed. Father, is there any greed in me? 
But immorality, impurity, and greed must not even be named among you. It's improper among the saints. No filthiness, no, no coarse jesting, no silly talk, no, no, none of this that's not fitting, but rather be those that are grateful, giving thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Now I want to get to verse 6 here. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these immoral things, the wrath of God will come upon those who disobey. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light. Not you have light, you are light. Because of the seeds of light that God has sown in you. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light, producing that which makes up light, goodness, righteousness, and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it's disgraceful to even speak of the things which are done by them in secret. Remember, they're secret again. We don't deal in secret. Privacy is one thing. Secrecy is another. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. And everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, the word says, Awake sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ, who is the light of the world, will shine on you. It's light that we need. It's light that we need in our lives. It's light that we need in the situations and the circumstances that are affecting the world. It's light that is the solution. And it's light that's the solution because light is Jesus. I want to give you a passage of scripture here. I I, I told you we were going to find out what always wins. I, I want to give you that. What always wins. If you go to the Gospel of John in chapter 1, the first Uh, chapter of John and beginning in verse 1 you find these words in the beginning was the word that's Jesus it's a name in the beginning was the word Revelation 19.13 reveals the name of Jesus Christ as the word of God in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was in the beginning with God all things came into being through him And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and life was the light of men. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Light always wins. For you and for me and the things that we deal with and the things that we face and the things that we are aware of that are going on in the world, I want us to see the importance and the priority of our identity as light. I want us to see the importance and the priority of identifying Jesus as light. I want us to see the importance and the priority of light being revealed in our lives and through our lives. And I want to encourage you that light active in your life will bring relief from all darkness that is attempting to overshadow you. And I can tell you I have felt that this week. 
as if a storm was rolling in and you could watch it cover the sun. There has been an oppression, a weightiness, a depression that has attempted to touch the lives of those around me. And I'm telling you, the solution is to drive that darkness away with light. I want to give you, give you, a, give you a, a, a final passage of scripture here. I've mentioned before what leads people to glorify God. You know, I, I reference some of the things that are going on, some of the celebrations of evil and, and, and sin and corruption. And behind every one of those rainbow flags and behind every one of those Marxist banners, behind all of those, those things that are, are testifying of, of this corrupt ideology, there's a person. We can't forget that. It's one thing for us to stand firm against those things that are corrupt. But we also need to realize that our goal or our mission is not to rid a country of immoral actions and activities. Our goal and our anointing and our calling is to save the immoral. We will have turned the kingdom of God into a political party if we see it as our goal to simply get rid of abortion. Our goal is to win the hearts of those who embrace it. I've, I've mentioned before an example, and I remember sharing this example in Africa one time because I was in Africa, and there's one thing that you'll find no matter where you're at, and it's Coca-Cola, Right? I mean, you'll see a guy on a camel and he'll have a cell phone on his hip and a, and a bottle of Coca-Cola in his hand. And you're thinking, my gosh, if Coca-Cola were the gospel, the world would be covered by now, right? I mean, it's, it's everywhere. But I remember asking this group of, of pastors in Africa, you know, how, how do we rid our community of sin and corruption? And a, and a couple of ideas would sound off. You know, they're vocal people. Here, if you ask that, you get nothing but quiet. We don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to answer wrong, you know. So we're just quiet and we think, get to the point, pastor, you know. How would you, would you rid your community of sin and corruption? And then I asked them to consider Coca-Cola. And some of you have heard this example because we've given it here before. But I want you to think of, of Coca-Cola as if Coca-Cola were, were sin, right? I mean, sin's everywhere, Coke's everywhere. If we made it our mission, we've got to get rid of sin. We're going to get rid of, of Coca-Cola. And we decided to storm out of here and go into every convenience store and every retail store. And we cleared the shelves and we, we marched out in victory that we just redeemed this land from the sin that was corrupting it. What would happen that night? Truck would back in, beep. Be stocking those shelves again, the next morning you have to do it all over again. So using this example with these, these leaders in Africa, I just said, well, well then, then how do you do it? How would you do it? I mean, the only way that I could rid the world of Coca-Cola is not to go into every store and clear the shelf every day because that would be a nonstop cycle that would never accomplish the mission. The only way that I could rid the world of Coca-Cola is to make a better product. And the only way that we're going to purge the sin and the corruption and all of the, 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 the 
foul ideology that is attempting to deepen its roots in our nation is not to simply wage war against the sin, but to win the hearts of the sinner. Introduce them to a better product. Those that mock Jesus Christ and slander Christianity right now, God has sown seeds of light in me and in you, not to wage war against them, but to bring to them the words of wisdom, the words of knowledge, the prophetic utterance, the signs and wonders, everything that's necessary to turn their hearts from darkness to light, just like ours were turned. Pretty awesome. Light. Father, make my life to be a better product so that when they look upon me, they will be drawn to light. And as you sow seeds of light in me, let them spill over on all of those around me. Light. And the result of light is a powerful and evangelistic result that comes from light. In fact, it draws people to glorify God. And I want to close with this. I mentioned to you one of the things we would find is what leads people to glorify God. Matthew chapter 5, I want to read verses 14 through 16. Now these words are being spoken to you. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nobody lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. But they put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Now here's this word of encouragement that the light that's in us is so powerfully evangelistic. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your goodness and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Every one of those lined up spitting in the face of cops, speaking profanity, every one of those that is waving their banner and their flag for corruption, I want my light to shine in such a way that they might look upon me, turn from their wickedness, and glorify God who's in heaven. I want light. And you thought your vote was powerful. We carry so much more than a vote. We carry the light. That which entered into the world bringing life to men, you and I carry light. I want to pray and I want to ask God to to do something in us this morning. I want to ask you to stand with me. Here's a challenge that I want to offer you. Now, any of you who have spent more than five minutes with me might realize that it's not a surprise that I can be a little intense. I want to commit to not waste the energy that I'm spending right now wrestling with the things that are going on in the world on nonsense and vanity. I don't want to waste it complaining I don't want to waste it uh, cursing and grumbling. I don't want to waste it fussing and whining. I want to use all of that energy that is built up inside of me to intercede for light. Rather than fuss and whine, I want to do something productive. And I want to ask God to fill me up with light, to expose all corruption with light, 
to position me to let deeds of power be displayed that would draw people from darkness to light. Father, let everything you've promised in your word exist and operate in power in and through me. That's what I want. And I see this as an opportunity. Why would this darkness be allowed to exist but to let light arise in the darkness? That's me and that's you. I want to pray for us this morning. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for your word. We thank you for truth and all of its power. We thank you, Father, for hope, for peace, and for joy in every element of your kingdom. We rejoice in the righteousness that we walk in through our King Jesus. We thank you for his shed blood. We thank you for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that we would be empowered to carry out every one of your instructions and all of your counsel. And here and now I ask in Jesus' name, for me and for all of those present, will you do a work in our hearts and our minds to seek after, to prioritize, and to embrace light, our identity as light in this world, the seeds of light that you've sown in us. Let them be cultivated and cherished. Let them be protected. And let all of our energy be spent in such a way that men and women would be drawn to you, that we would begin to intercede that light would prevail in this land. And in this time of darkness, we ask, in Jesus' name, that light be magnified. Let it arise. Let it not simply be something that we ask for from a distance, but let us be proactive as the bringers and carriers of your light in all of our choices, all of our decisions, all of our actions and words, our attitudes. And we stand ready for your signs and your wonders to testify on your behalf as we operate in this world as light. We bless your name and we give you thanks and we declare together that no matter what takes place in this world, our hope is in you and our citizenship is in your kingdom. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.